Greetings, everybody. Just feeling really pumped to be here today. Um, excited to fellowship to, together with other Christians. Um, this week I decided I would splash out on a new, what do you call those things? A tablet, a new tablet. And uh, what was so cool about this tablet, I've discovered, is that it's got this battery that lasts for just about forever. Um, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've written more words in the last few days uh, than I have in the last 10 years on my little tablet. This is my new word processor. This is our new PowerPoint. I didn't want to have to rely on electricity. Um, so, so here we are. <laughs> I can recommend one of these. This one is a tree line. Much better than an Apple. Certainly beats Microsoft. Um, Good, so what I wanted to do was, first of all, just draw your attention to our circumstances in Zimbabwe. You know, if you have a look around, it's pretty clear that things are not as they should be. Would you agree with me? It doesn't take a lot to, to figure that one out. Things are definitely not what they should be. But the incredible thing is that God has a vision for the way he wants things to be. And so I'd like to, for you to think of it in this way. We can see the way things are at the moment. And then there's the way that things should be. Now, God has a very clear vision or a picture in his mind of the way that things should be. Let me give you a picture of the way things should be. This comes from Revelation chapter 21. John is on the island of Patmos and he's given a, a vision of the way things should be. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And so we know that when God created human beings, he had a vision for the way things were meant to be. And it was like that in the Garden of Eden, wasn't it? And then as man chose to rebel against God, and each one of us has joined into with that rebellion, things have ended up the way they are. And they're definitely not the way that they should be. And Jesus decided to come down to earth in order to start moving things from the way that they are to the way that they should be. And that process is transformation. When you move from the way things are to the way things should be, you go through a process of transformation. And thank God that he sent Jesus Christ, his own son, to the earth to start that process of transformation, to move things from the way they are to the way that they should be. But when Jesus left, he gave us a great commission, didn't he? He wants each one of us 
to carry out this process of transforming things from the way that they are to the way that they should be. Because Jesus is no longer here in bodily form. He's left us behind as his body, as his hands and his feet to move things from the way that they are to the way that they should be. And that's the process of transformation. You see, God has adopted you into his family with something in mind. He has in mind living with you. Remember it said in that scripture that dwelling, God's dwelling place would be with man. He wants to dwell with you forever the way things should be in heaven, in his space, in the kingdom of God. And so that's why it's so important for us not to lose sight of this vision of transformation. Because what we can do is we can say, well, let's just tread water on earth during our time on earth. Let's tread water. Let's, let's see if we can make things as comfortable as we can until we are translated into the way things should be, into God's space, into his kingdom. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to work with God. We're called to work with Christ to bring, in a sense, heaven on earth, to provide a glimpse on earth of what things are like in heaven, a glimpse that will point people to the author of the way things should be. That's God himself. And we need to understand, folks, and this is so important, that at the time that we're living in, everything is fighting against us so that we don't participate in this vision of transforming things from the way things are to the way that they should be. Everything is militating against that. And if we don't get onto the spaceship, like Craig was talking about, if we don't get onto God's mission, then we are gonna flounder in the mire of ineffectiveness. Our lives are not gonna count for anything. We're gonna miss out on what God had planned and intended for us to do. And so on the basis of all of that introduction, our vision as a church and as a corporate body of believers is to be a transformational church. We as members, as individuals, want to go through a personal process of transformation because there are things in our personal lives that are here that need to be transformed to there. And then we as a corporate body want to become agents for transformation so that we are starting to paint a picture that the world can see of the way things could be and the way things actually are in heaven. So you might be thinking or maybe someone's saying, well, that, that vision is a little bit too general for a church. Someone says, well, maybe it's not specific enough. Somebody else says, Ian, please could you just sharpen this vision, give us some more details, flesh it out. What I'd like to do, and we are going to be doing that, but what I'd like to start off by saying today is that we need to have two perspectives. The first perspective is that we want our vision to be accessible to everyone. So when we stand up here and say this is our vision, we want to know that irrespective of your socioeconomic standing, your income, your education, your passions, your gifts, your abilities, irrespective of all of those things, you will find a vision here that you can get a part of, you can become a part of. And so it needs to be accessible to everybody. And at this stage, this overarching vision of getting involved in God's 
um, plan of transformation is accessible to everybody. Everybody can get involved in that. We also want this vision, and this is the second perspective, to be applicable to all areas of your life. I'd like to just sound a note of warning here. It is destructive and dangerous to divide your life into secular areas and spiritual areas. Thinking that you can yield to God in spiritual areas, in inverted commas, and do what you like in secular areas. Jesus died, you need to get this, Jesus died to purchase your entire life. And the great thing about this transformational vision is that it can be applied and it must be applied to all areas of your life. All areas of your life need to be shaped by this vision. So taking these two perspectives into account, we have chosen at this stage to keep our vision as an overarching one so that it's accessible to everybody and so that it applies to all areas of your life. Now we as a leadership are going to be figuring out how this vision will shape us as an organization. But in the meantime, we want you as individuals to figure out how this vision shapes every area of your life. There's no such thing as saying, my work life, my family life, my church life. The whole thing is your life. The whole thing is spiritual. The whole thing needs to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you fail to do this, if you fail to figure out how this vision of transformation applies to all areas of your life, then you will only find that God affects you in your so-called spiritual life, your church life. If we hold out a very clear vision at this early stage and you get on board with it, the temptation will be to say, well, now I'm, I'm, I'm on God's mission. I'm doing it in my spiritual life. I'm doing it in my church life, forgetting that this vision of transformation needs to apply to your personal life, it needs to apply to your marriage, it needs to apply to your family, it needs to apply to your work, in all of those areas of your life. It's like you are an artist creating a masterpiece, a picture of the way things are in heaven and the way they should be. And of course it's an imperfect picture, it's a picture that we aren't going to necessarily complete in this life. I believe that when we get to heaven, we'll see it there as a complete picture. But in this life, we just provide a glimpse of the way things should be, of the way things could be. And you know, when we do that, it, it'll cry out to the unspoken desires of the human heart. Those people that you know who, who don't know Jesus yet, there's something inside of them that will say, oh, yes. I can see something there that is fulfilling the desires of my heart. And it'll point them to the way things should be and ultimately to the author of the way things should be, which is God himself. So with all of this in mind, I'd like to just provide you with a template which you can use as a pattern to guide the process of transformation in all areas of your life. And we're going to also be using this template to guide us as a church organization. In actual fact, we've already been doing it, um, but we're going to continue to do it, perhaps in a way that we communicate it more to the congregation. So, a template for transformation. Let me give it to you, first of all, in words, and then I'm going to draw a picture which will also help you to see it in sort of a metaphor form. So what we like to say at Harvest is that the best 
is yet to be. The best is yet to be. Because we have this hope that God has envisaged heaven, a beautiful place where we get to be with him forever. So the best is yet to be. And in our lives, in places where things are here and they need to be changed to there, the best is still yet to be. Things are not perfect, but it's okay because we're engaged in that process of moving from the way things are to the way things should be. Then we say that love is our motivation. Love is our motivation. The goal is transformation. The goal is transformation. And the means is the Holy Spirit. Because that is the personal presence of God in me. So, Let's have a look at this now as a, um, as a picture. The best is yet to be. I'd like you just to imagine that, that this is the ocean here. And the best is yet to be. So we start off in this process, whatever area of life you're thinking about or you have in mind, and you just ask yourself, what should things be like? What are things like now and what should they be like? The best is yet to be. And you start to think about that. You start to mull that over. And then as you continue in this process, you need to ask yourself, well, how? How am I going to embark on this voyage of from the way things are to the way things should be? So I'm going to draw a picture of a boat here, a yacht. This yacht, in a sense, is the how of getting from there to there, the how. What am I going to do? What, what do I need to put in place in order to move from there to there? And then all sailing boats have a sail, don't they? Um, and the reason why they have a sail, I'm even gonna put a, put a nice spinnaker in there. See, I know sailing technology, me. That's a spinnaker, I think. <laughs> The reason why we have sails is because we need to harness the power of the wind. And that is a type in this picture of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I think that the Holy Spirit is like the wind driving a sailing boat in our lives, energizing this process of transformation, is because we know that it's the Holy Spirit that provides the power to do whatever it is that we're doing. It's the Holy Spirit. And also, the Holy Spirit is out of our control. We are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We are to be working in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And so, in a sense, God, not in a sense, God gets to decide which direction we're going to be taken. He gets to decide how hard and how fast things are going to be going. Sometimes we'll be becalmed. Sometimes we'll be racing ahead. At other times it'll be pretty calm and, um, and measured. But ultimately, it's not in our control. And we need to recognize that. Our transformation needs to be energized and guided by the Holy Spirit. When we're trying to envisage the way things should be, 
And when we're asking ourselves the question, well, how should we do it? Of course, it's the Holy Spirit who informs us. It is the Holy Spirit who makes alive what we read in the scripture, which is in itself a picture of the way things should be, the perfect justice of God, the perfect love of God, the perfect compassion of God. And the Holy Spirit makes it alive to us so that we can start to see in the different areas of our lives, this is the way God wants things to be. This is the way things should be. And now we receive the energy. I'd just like to read to you from uh, Luke's Gospel. Uh, Right at the end of, of, of Luke's Gospel, in Luke chapter 24, listen to this. Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. This is in verse 45, if you're following along. He told them, this is what is written. So notice that he opened their eyes so that they could understand the scriptures. At that time, they had Jesus with them so that they could have their minds open to the way things should be, the way things could be. But a time was coming when Jesus would go back to heaven, isn't it? It's just about to happen, and he's going to send the Holy Spirit to open their minds. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So he's giving them a commission. And he's telling them that the starting aspect, the starting point of transformation is the forgiveness of sins. And we all know that this is how it all begins. It all begins when we get adopted into God's family on the basis of Jesus' death and resurrection. The fact that he paid the price for our sins on the cross so that we could be put right with God, brought into his family, have a change of heart, all of those things necessary so that transformation can take place. And we are to be witnesses of these things. You are to be a witness of the way things should be and could be in the workplace, in your family, in your leisure time. Then he says, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. That's the Holy Spirit, folks. The Holy Spirit is the the person who clothes us with power. He's referring to the day of Pentecost here. And so the disciples waited and they started their mission of bringing transformation, of becoming agents of transformation once they had been filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Just a little bit of a warning here. The, this analogy doesn't extend and explain all things perfectly. We always need to recognize whenever we're looking at an, an analogy or a, or a parable that it has its limits. So we're not saying that the Holy Spirit is like some sort of um, energy or power that we need to harness. There is a sense in which he provides us with power and we need to work with him, but he is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the presence of God, the presence of the divine. In Gail, in me, in Craig, in Sarah, he is in us. And by merit of the fact that we have him in us, we are empowered to do the mission of transformation. Sound another warning note. It's very easy for us to think that we can manipulate the Holy Spirit without submitting to God. 
without relationship with God. And that is magic, folks. If we're trying to manipulate God to our own ends without submitting to him, then we're dabbling in magic. And there's a real danger that we can determine the how, um, we can determine what things should be like without any reference and submission to God. We can come up with an amazing plan and then expect the Holy Spirit to come and be our helper, to be our servant. <laughs> it's not that way around, I'm afraid. God, God wants us to submit to him. He wants us to submit to his Holy Spirit. And so in the whole process of determining the way things should be and how we're going to get there, we are involving the Holy Spirit. And that brings me to the last, the last aspect, which is that love is the motivation. I like to think um, on this boat that there is a compass. And although the Holy Spirit is providing, in a sense, the wind in a boat is providing, in a sense, a general direction in which one can travel, the compass is the one that gives you the more um, accurate adjustment of direction. And that's why love needs to be our motivation. Everything that we knew needs to be motivated by love. Let me give you a sense of why that should be, and I've used this before, but I, I just think it's so good. Just imagine, if you will, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, sitting at a table. They're completely fulfilled with one another's company. They have been since eternity past. They will be for going forward into eternity future. But they sit there, and God says, you know what? I think we should make space at this table for Gareth Desmond. I think we should make space for Graham Reed. I think we should have children. That's what Mike and Carla did. They decided they were, they were fully um, satisfied in their own relationship. They, they loved each other. They didn't need children, but they decided out of joy and excitement to create children. And that's what God the Father did. He created children to be at this table with him. And so his ultimate goal there is relationship. And it's love. And that's why we need to be motivated by love. If we have been adopted into God's family as his children, then we carry his DNA. And his DNA is love. The Bible says God is love. Such a short little sentence. But wow, imagine if it wasn't the case. God is love. And so everything that we're doing in every area of our life needs to be fine-tuned by love. Love needs to have a say, just as a compass has a say when you're sailing a boat to show you the direction, how you're going to do things. So that's the, that's the overarching vision. The best is yet to be. Love is my motivation. The goal is transformation. The means is the Holy Spirit. In this picture, we can see the way things are. Jesus came to make a difference and to sort out the way things are and to transform them into the way that they should be. Things are perfect in heaven. We're creating a picture here on earth of the way things are in heaven, pointing people to eternity. How are we going to do it? We need to figure that out so that we can move from here to here. We're going to be energized and guided by the Holy Spirit and we're going to use love as our motivation to provide the final fine-tuning. 
And so what I'd like to do now is just to apply this, this paradigm, if you like, to something that we've done here at church. But I'm hoping that by doing this practically, you'll be able to see how to apply it in different areas of your life. So what I'd like to do is just to apply this to, uh, to coffee, serving coffee at the back of the hall. And just a little disclaimer here, right off, um, I hope that the coffee ladies and people don't think that I'm getting at you or, or trying, to <laughs> trying to improve the, the way you're doing things. That is absolutely not the case. It's just a very good example that we can use. Um, and I think that the, the coffee ladies um, and do a fantastic job. They do an excellent job. So what we decided about two years ago, we, we had a look at the way things are. And the way that we could see things happening was that most people didn't stay behind after the service to have coffee together. People would head off pretty early. And we were serving coffee around the corner there at the hatch from the kitchen. This veranda doesn't really lend itself to being together. Um, it was cold and drafty. Some people were spreading out widely onto the, onto the fields. There were sort of groups which gave the impression that it was cliquey. And so the result was that it just wasn't really inviting to visitors. When visitors arrived, there wasn't a sense of community. And so that was the way things were. Then we had to think about, well, what, how, how should things be? So we, were, we, we thought about that. And we realized that what we wanted to do after the service was to create a glimpse of the kind of community and family that we're going to experience in heaven one day. So that when visitors come here or when seekers come here, they get a taste of the way things could be in heaven. And it, it gets them longing for the eternal. It gets them longing for the author of the way things could be, God himself. So that was what we wanted to do. We recognized that this wasn't about coffee. Because let's face it, we're all pretty well off here. Nobody here is dying for a lack of cup of coffee, are we? <laughs> well, Craig might say that he is, but um, quite apart from him. It's, it's really not about the coffee, is it? The coffee is a means to achieving something that will help people to get a glimpse of the way things are in heaven, give them that taste for the eternal. And so then we started to figure out, well, how can we do this? How can we move from the way things are to the way things should be? And Craig... I think it was Craig and Nicola, probably Craig Moore, um, had this great idea of having it here at the back of the hall where everybody's going to be closer together. We also uh, concentrated on getting better quality coffee because we realized that some people were quite happy actually to dash off to freshly ground and get a nice cup of coffee there after the service or to go home and make their own coffee. Um, once again, it wasn't about the coffee, but it was about getting people together and creating this picture. What about the people who are serving coffee? Well, if I'm serving coffee, the goal is not to make it possible for people to pour coffee down their throats. That is not the goal. It's about so much more than that. It's about bringing transformation. It's about helping to move things from the way that they are to the way that they should be. In a sense, I'm creating a new reality. I'm helping to paint a picture of heaven on earth. 
a picture of fellowship and community and of a type that visitors and seekers cannot find in their daily lives. I recognize that I'm setting the tone for fellowship. I do this by smiling, by being agreeable, by being helpful, by inviting the Holy Spirit to work in me and through me. And I pray, both before and during serving coffee. I pray that on earth it would be as it is in heaven. I'd just like to read to you from Matthew. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, if you want to note it down. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm emphasizing here now, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see those two things? God's kingdom to be on earth as it is in heaven. We're to be providing something here that is an indication of what heaven is like. And Jesus is asking us to pray about it. And if he's asking us to pray about this on a daily basis, then it must be important. It must be important for us to be engaging in this process of changing things from the way they are to the way that they should be. We're bringing, in a sense, heaven on earth. And that's what we need to be doing in every area and in every aspect of our lives. Folks, this is the important thing. It's not, it's not important for us to be creating an environment of comfort and safety. That's not necessarily the way that things should be. We should be looking to, to create an environment that reflects the way heaven is on earth. And that's what we need to be doing as a church. Are you excited about that? I hope that you are. I hope that you'll go away and spend a bit of time today and this week thinking about the different areas of your life. I'm sure that in many, in many ways you're already engaged in this process. I know Catherine's off to go and be uh, an au pair for a year and she'll be thinking about, well, how, how can I reflect an aspect of God's parenthood to these kids that I'm looking after? Bringing heaven on earth. Maybe they don't, they don't have a, a, a glimpse yet of the way God parents and loves his children. And they'll see that in Catherine. And so her work as an au pair is, is not secular. It's not divided from the spiritual. It is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. It's the same in your marriage. It's the same in your family. It's the same in your relationships. Um, it's the same in your leisure. Whatever it is, figuring out a way that you can be involved. I'm just thinking of Byron sitting over there. Byron's involved in conservation. He, he, is, he is creating a picture on earth of how the whole of creation will be valued in the new heaven and the new earth. A picture of the way things will be in balance. A picture of the way there won't be um, exploitation and almost the ravaging of things as a result of, of greed and unbridled capitalism. He can be creating a picture on earth of the way things are in heaven. It's a very lofty vision. He may never actually get there. You know, if, if, if his work is like painting a picture of a tree, he may only get around to doing a couple of leaves really well. 
But that doesn't matter because those leaves will give a glimpse to people of the way things should be. And people will be drawn to God. (laughs) They'll be drawn to Jesus Christ. They'll be drawn into his family. And one day when he gets to heaven, the vision that he's been working towards on earth will be there fully realized. It's amazing. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that we as a church can say the best is yet to be. Father, I thank you that we are invited by you to be in this work of bringing transformation. We're so excited and energized by it and we ask that you would help us not to be distracted. Lord, help us in whatever way to be painting a picture here on earth of the way things are in heaven. Help us to bring heaven to earth. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, We know that you're in us if we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. We know that you're in us to inform us, to energize us, to guide us, even to help us in in our struggles against our own flesh and against um, temptation. Come and work with us, Holy Spirit, so that we would be a church that fully works towards transformation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.